paint themselves as being at, at, at a level of that uh, and would call themselves an official apostle on, on the level of Paul or James or Peter. It's not true. One of the things that's been uh, kind of fun to think about has been uh, whenever we've taught through the doctrine of future things, the book of Revelation, uh, we learn there that New Jerusalem uh, is going to have the names of the 12 apostles. Part of the intrigue of that to me is I'm pretty sure that Judas Iscariot will not be one of those 12 names. And I'm fairly confident that Matthias won't have his name there either. He's the one, as you recall, to replace Judas. They drew lots, and uh, he drew the lot, and so he became that 12th uh, official position. But when we read here that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, um, he is one of two apostles that have had extremely special assignments. Peter was assigned to be the apostle to the Jews. Paul was assigned to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So I would easily, if I were a betting man, bet that uh, Paul's going to have his name up there in New Jerusalem as one of the twelve. And uh, it's it's a no-risk bet because, number one, um, I don't have anything to bet. Number two, I don't believe in betting. Uh, number three, um, it won't matter if I'm wrong because the truth will prevail anyway. So, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's a specific sender. And those who love the Lord Jesus ultimately pray to him, Lord, hear my Send me a sent one. By the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Our Savior and our hope. Personal. Who's your Savior? Who's your hope? Written to Timothy, called here through the breathing of the Holy Spirit, through Paul's pen and heart and relationship, a true son in the faith. And then these terms we hear all the time, we hear them in a context of Scripture frequently, but I'd like to take a time out and, and just ask, do you have a good working definition of the simplest of these terms? Grace. What is grace? How would you answer that? What would, how would you fill your test out? Grace is, uh, and there are lots of acrostics that have been used, God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, but grace is something that we don't deserve. That's a key part of the definition. We don't deserve. And grace is something that is very, very good. And it's something very, very good that we don't deserve. And at the heart of the word gift is this grace thing. 
It's free. It's yours. It's good. And you don't deserve it. Grace. Mercy. How would you respond on your quiz question for mercy? What is mercy? Well, mercy has to do with something that we do deserve. We are sinners. We deserve the wages for our sin. The Bible teaches that the wages for sin is death. We deserve eternal separation from God, the worst of death. But instead of receiving what we deserve, God steps in and yanks it out and says, I'm not going to require you to experience it. And in fact, he steps in and he experiences it as our substitution. Because the law has a requirement for its violations. And Jesus satisfied the law so that they could apply mercy for those who deserve the punishment he paid. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. If I could define a need of my generation, it would be for grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Father, our Lord. I think to appreciate where uh, this takes us in the study of Timothy as part of our overview, uh, I'd like to have you turn to Acts, chapter 16. The book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, verse 16. Perhaps your introduction would say something like, the Acts of the Apostles. Um, I think that's a misnomer. I think more accurately, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 16, we see that Paul had come to Derby and Lystra, and, and behold, a certain disciple was there, and he had a name, and his name was Timothy. Or if you've got an older version, you might say Timotheus, Timothy. The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. Uh, I have no desire to return to Israel, but if I were to go there again, I have two things I'd really like to do. First, I would love to worship with a Jew who has received Jesus Christ personally as his Savior. I would love to be a part of that worship service. Secondly, I would love to worship with an Arab Palestinian who has received Jesus Christ personally as Savior and to be part of that worship and to see how they resolve this incredible uh, chasm of relationship between Jew and Arab Palestinian. Because apart from Jesus, I can't imagine what President Obama could put together for a peace term. We've watched the previous presidents give it their best 
and have counsel and meeting and to watch this conflict grow. The tension there today is as high as ever. Israel surrounded by the turmoil in Egypt, the turmoil in Syria, many dying. Who's controlling all that? A certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. Well, that's interesting because if you've studied Galatians at all, you know that one of the major teachings of Paul is against legalism. Legalism in specific where the, the Jewish background were requiring people to continue, once they were converted, to still get circumcised. And the pen of Paul, through the bidding of the Spirit, is adamant. That is not necessary for salvation. It's legalism. It's putting demands on people that God doesn't. And yet here we have the example that once Timothy had become a believer, that... Um, Paul oversaw that he was circumcised. And apparently it has to do mainly with the idea that Timothy would have quite a ministry to the Jews. And rather than be a friction point, uh, theologically, um, it would be when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do type of thing. And so the circumcision took place. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. I believe that God would love to strengthen our church in the faith. And I believe he'd like to increase our numbers. In the next chapter of Acts 17... Verse 10, we see that the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and this is where the Berean churches um, get their name. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews, a typical first response in town. And these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. That's always been a challenge point for me. Do I receive his word with all readiness? Do you? And search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. It had to match up with the word of God. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Uh, This word prominent uh, cropped up this week, and I have permission now to share this. Uh, we have Senator Harms worshiping with us this morning. And um, he sent me a letter that I received this week. And attached to the letter was a card. And the top of the card said in big, bold letters, Monument Bible Church. And it had a picture of Dr. Harms and, and his background. And, and highlighted was uh, Monument Bible Church. And then on the opposite side, there was a scathing... Um, question to us. Do you know that one of your, and it uses the same word, prominent members referring to Dr. Harms, 
Do you know that, that one of your members uh, is in favor of killing people because of how he voted on the death penalty? And, of course, it was anonymous. Got a strong position from a cowardly seat. And so, in sensitivity, thank you very much. You know, I don't want to be a sore in the side of the church family there. You know, maybe I shouldn't be a member. Well, that sent me to my recall button, and I remember... In 2008, we had an exchange of what the Bible teaches about capital punishment. And so in the first service and this second service, I want to say publicly, boy. And we're not in favor of killing people. We're in favor of protecting society from those that do. Is that a conflict? And so he has to step up to the plate. Just as a legislator in Texas stood up to the plate this week and sent abortion in a reverse direction receiving incredible verbal abuse for doing so. And the critics are saying our nation has taken a huge backward step in this matter of abortion, to which I say we've just taken one of the best forward steps in years at a girl. We are at war. We are at conflict. What is there about a system that would teach don't kill the killer, but kill the babies. Now, I'm not the smartest tack in the whole batch of tacks, but there's something that is morally, biblically wrong about that picture. But by and large, I'm preaching to the choir. But choir, you're being called to step to the plate in your arenas of influence. Paul did. Timothy did. In the next chapter, chapter 18, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews That Jesus is the Christ. Now to a Jew, that's a big deal teaching. What does the word Christ mean? It means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. That is the specific, simple, and literal definition of Christ. I think we should know that. And Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia while Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Don't you know a little bit what that's like? Paul and Mary, are you compelled by the Spirit to do this? You have to go. 
Because when the Spirit compels, it calls for a response. And the testimony to the Jews who had been looking for their anointed one, their Messiah, Paul taught publicly and boldly in their synagogues that Jesus is the Christ. I'd like to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I'm clean. From now on, I'm going to fulfill this call to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And he did. The next chapter, 19. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit. He's been compelled by the Spirit. He purposes in the Spirit. When he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. Joe and Beth are new grandparents. Asked what the name of the new boy is. And they said, Sam. I said, Junior. And they said, no, Sam D. What's D stand for? Dion? Yeah, well, why didn't they consider naming him Erastus? (laughs) Who ministered to Paul. But he himself stayed in Rome. And by the time we get to 2 Timothy, we'll see that Paul's on his last leg. He's in jail writing to Ephesus to this young student who, when he was ready, God sent the teacher. Paul would die, martyred for his faith. I'd like to inject here, if I could ever, and you've heard me sort of reference this in the past, If I could ever observe uh, somebody taking their t-shirt off and showing off their physique, I'd like it to be Paul. I'd like to see him with his t-shirt off. And I'd like to think about the scars and the stripes I would see. I'd like to think about the shape of his bones that no doubt had to be broken from rods. I I think I'd be a better man if I could see that. He's the teacher in this picture. And when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And I suspect that if Timothy heard Paul teach, Timothy would think something like, That's right. That's good. Not particularly politically correct. I got home last night. My wife's watching TV. Crying. And announced that she's been crying through this whole thing. What are you watching? She was watching the memorial service. The Granite Mountain hotshot crew. All 19 who died trying to protect people and property. One of the compatriot firemen had the privilege to speak 
to thousands broadcast to millions. And one of the statements went something like this. I knew these men well. And I know that many was the word he used. Many of these hotshots had received my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, personally. They were ready to die. And they did. Paul died a martyr, an apostle of Jesus Christ, his Savior, his hope. And he gave himself to investing in Timothy, a true son in the faith. When the book of Romans wraps up in the last chapter, 16, beginning in verse 17, the last chapter of Romans, verse 17, the pen of Paul is urging the brethren there, To note the ones who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine, the truth, which you learn, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple, naive, concerning evil. I've shared with people who have been rather boastful of how streetwise they were. And as I compared that to the scripture, I remember thinking, that's a shame. And in the end times, you're going to call good evil and evil good. Some will call a step forward a step backward. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Vicki Keener in our first service today, as we were laying hands on her for the preparation for VBS, said that she had struggled with doubting whether God was going to really put our VBS together and and use Satan's name and wonder if he wasn't trying to bust it up. And I remember being comforted thinking that the God of peace will crush Satan under her feet shortly. The grace, I know what that means, Of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. That's what letters are supposed to do. Give greetings. When he wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the episcopoi and the diaconoi, the episcopuses and the deacons. 
the overseers, the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote to Colossae. Bring her up here, I'll take care of her. (laughs) To Colossae, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That's how you get that one of 12 assignment. And Timothy, our brother. So now the letters are coming from them both. To the saints, the holy ones, the believers, and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Can you think of anything that our nation and our world need today any more than the grace and the mercy and the peace of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? We ain't dead yet. Step up to the plate. Be the voice to your generation. Until we draw our last breath. And maybe some of us can take our t-shirt off and there'll be a little scab for somebody saying something mean to you because you're a Christian. What a mentor. To the church at Thessalonica, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. You got three of them writing to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God. I am convinced that God's heart to your heart is grace to you and mercy to you and peace to you from God, God. Not Allah. God, God. To you, it's personal. Stepping up to the plate. I'd like to make a request. We have a need and a heart. And a good part of the supply. We have people that are in wheelchairs that have trouble getting here. And that's kind of landed on one guy who stepped up to the plate and We thought we had a helper, and so this morning, you know, I don't know how we're going to get him there, but I talked it over with my wife, and so old Rod Davis one more time says, I'll step up to the plate. I'll get him there. Is there anybody in this room that would be willing to come alongside Rod and help drive some people in a wheelchair so he doesn't have to do it all? Love to have your name. And you know what? If I was a betting man, I already gave you my bet stories. God's going to stir in the hearts of some. So, Rod, hang on. Help us on the way. And thank you for your faithfulness. And, Renee, thank you for tolerating all that. I know it's hard. In today's passage, to a young follower... Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm looking forward 
to what I'm going to learn from the rest of First and Second Timothy. Do you have a mentor? Are you a mentor? I received a call this week from a pastor and his wife who aren't getting along so hot. I'm not sure their marriage is going to make it. Uh, we've made arrangements to visit with them and meet them. Um, they're from quite a few hours away. I asked her from the book of Titus, do you have an older godly woman that uh, comes to mind that you spend time with? And her answer was this word, zero. I said, well, on the basis and the authority of the word of God, I'd like to assign you to go seek one who will teach you how to love your husband and your children. There were two things that he had done that are absolutely inexcusable in a marriage. And I got in his face hard and said, don't you ever do that again. Ever, ever, ever. And I wasn't talking to somebody that was resistant. I was talking to a guy that was broken and like, I need to change something. This pastor told me of the B word that he had called his wife. And my instruction was, don't you ever call her that again, ever. And with great humility, I was like, I won't. Stepping up to the plate. The biggest resistance I find to this is like, who, me? I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I got my own history. I don't think God builds our church on perfect people. Do you? Would all the perfect people please now raise your hands? You don't fit here. It's us. We need the rain, okay? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Grateful in a parched and dry land for rain. I'd like to ask you to guard us from hail. I'd like to ask you to raise up in our midst people who will step up to the plate cheerfully, eagerly, devotedly, diligently. I ask you to give all of us students who are now ready a teacher. I thank you that we don't have to present our perfection to you, but just the opposite, as you offer us your perfection. Father, you know the hearts of everyone here. Is there one here who needs to receive Jesus as Savior, who came in here today not sure that if they were to die, they'd go to heaven? And I thank you for the price and the grace and the mercy that you've employed by loving us so much by sending your Son so that we who don't deserve it could receive 
eternal life, your gift. So with that person right here, right now, whoever in this room, Lord, I pray, it's me. I get it. I believe you. I put my trust and faith on the work of your son, Jesus, who I now receive personally as my Savior. Thank you. And Lord, I want to pray to you with a number. We've done a lot of praying today. But this final prayer that would you help me find a personal mentor who will lead me and teach me in in truth? And would you lead someone that I can help serve you by serving them and I can invest in them? I thank you for what you're going to accomplish. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.